You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, good morning, Getting in the Word. I pray you're doing well. I want to welcome everyone. Welcome to the show, and uh, what a privilege it is each day to be here. And uh, today we're going to be continuing our study through the doctrine of salvation. And so we're going to talk specifically today about uh, justification. Uh, if you haven't been here and uh, you're interested in catching up on the last ultimately five weeks, uh, you can check us out on our Linktree uh, app or link, and uh, that will give you access to um, all of the sermon databases that uh, we post on via video and also as well uh, audio. So we have a Buzzsprout account, and uh, I don't know, there's some other ones on there as well, like Apple something, and anyways, I'm not really proficient in those things, but nevertheless, we do have those available for you if uh, you're interested and you would like to um, hear some of the the messages from the last few weeks, uh, the, you can find that information there. And I know that, that it'll be a blessing for you. Um, and I pray that you'll you'll get caught up because each one of these are 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 important. And uh, nevertheless, we want to. Um, to stay up on the doctrine of salvation. So we are in week six, and we're going to be touching base on the doctrine of salvation. Uh, well, if you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you. We, it's a true privilege to have you, and we pray that you'll be blessed. And for those that have have been here and a part of this uh, family, we thank you. And I also want to uh, express my gratitude and my thanks for uh, the 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 link and the promotion um, that uh, Patty, Gable, Michael, Jesse, and uh, Cher all worked on to get out um, for Pastor Appreciation Month uh, for October. It's a video that uh, really touched me um, and meant a lot to me, and I'm I'm grateful for uh, you guys, and that's uh, always such a, a privilege um, to serve. And so I can't, I can't express my gratitude enough and uh, pray that, um, that God will continue to, uh, bless me with the privilege and the opportunity to be here each day and to be faithful to his word. And I pray that God will be glorified through it, that, um, that I will not be exalted myself, but rather the message and the hope of Christ. And that when people, um, hear from me, they, 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 they praise God for being a good God, because really that's what my hope and my desire is, is that God would be glorified and that God would be honored. But nevertheless, thank you, uh, Michael, Patty, Sharon, Jesse, um, and all the other admin as well that worked behind the scenes in, in putting this video together. Um, some of my children were behind the scenes, sneaking around, getting photos for Patty and, uh, so thank you guys for that. It's uh, it's a real privilege to serve alongside 
of these admin. They work hard. They spend a lot of time and energy to protect uh, this channel and the integrity of this channel. And so thank you guys as for your hard and diligent work. And I'm, I'm appreciative um, to you and, uh, and I'm grateful to God that we can be partners in the gospel. And there are so many that are even not admins that uh, are just such a blessing to us and our family. And so thank you for your continued support. And, uh, and it meant a lot to me that uh, you guys would celebrate uh, me as uh, your pastor friend and, uh, and part of your family. So thank you. And for those that are members of local congregations, um, and you have your own church home, I encourage you to love on your pastor and, uh, pastoral ministry is not an easy job, but it is a job we love. We cherish and it's worth every moment and every minute of it, but nevertheless, uh, you know, um, it is a true blessing when you are able to encourage uh, your local pastor, tell him you love him and you care for him and you pray for him and uh, and treat him with a high regard. And uh, if he's there's a need, meet that need for him, um, because you you really can't understand uh, what it is to be a pastor until you are a pastor, and and uh, you deal with some very difficult circumstances and you deal with a lot of negative all the time, a lot of struggles and, and, uh, marital issues, family issues. And, uh, so the encouragement is always a blessing. And I don't say that so that you will do that to me, but I do speak on behalf of your pastor that, uh, though he would never ask, like I would never ask for someone to give me appreciation. It actually makes me quite uncomfortable, but nevertheless, it is, a you know, a, a true blessing that, uh, that this video was put together and it means a lot to me. And I'm very grateful, uh, that, uh, this telegram family here at getting in the word and abroad, um, have shown their appreciation for the ministry, uh, here at getting in the word that my family and I, uh, strive to continually, um, be involved in. And, uh, we love you all. And we are very grateful for the work that uh, God is doing in you and through you. And our desire is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Our desire is that you not only hear the word and be encouraged in the word, that, but that you go forth and you uh, reach others for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for all of those that consistently share the channel and share the message of the hope of Jesus Christ, it is a privilege to partner with you. And so thank you guys for your diligent work in, in making us feel very loved and special. And um, I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And I'm grateful for uh, the, the effort in doing that. So thank you. Well, with that said, um, I would like to go ahead and jump into our study today. We are going to, again, be dealing with the topic of justification. And uh, we have, if you recall, worked uh, over the last five weeks on five different topics that uh, relate to the doctrine of salvation. We began in week one uh, as we dealt with common grace. And uh, common grace is that grace that is given among 
by God to all men, both believer and unbeliever. The, the, the Lord reigns on the righteous and the just and the unjust. He has given us uh, general revelation, which is common grace, that Romans says uh, you were without excuse uh, because God has uh, genuinely poured out his grace upon all mankind. He has written the, the law on our hearts so that even though we are not Jews but Gentiles, many of us, um, he has written the law on our hearts so that we know right from wrong. And so that is common grace that God has established to all mankind so that man is without excuse. And so nevertheless, uh, that was the first week. Then we looked at the doctrine of election and reprobation. Election is a biblical uh, position. Nevertheless, the question is, is it conditional or unconditional election? And that is where you have to define terms and decide where you land. And the doctrine of reprobation really goes with uh, the doctrine of unconditional election, which means God selected before the foundations of the world those into salvation and those into hell. He is sovereign. He is all-knowing. He is just. And therefore, God chose before the foundations of the world where uh, conditional election would be upon you believing and trusting in Jesus Christ, both really, but um, nevertheless, if you haven't listened to that and you have questions, go back and listen to that message. And then we talked about union with Christ. We summed that up in, in, in really one phrase, that is Christ in you. You've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in us. And this is um, being in partnership and connection. I am the vine, you are the branch kind of connection with uh, Christ and the Spirit of God living in us. And we talked about regeneration and how that means to be made alive. You must be born again. You must be regenerated. It's a new life. And then this conversion that we discussed last week deals with the process by which God is glorified through making us ultimately a child of God, and He converts us uh, to children of God. And then today we're going to talk about justification. And so I pray that it'll be a blessing to you and that it'll encourage you as well. And so let's pray and then we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the doctrine of salvation. And we thank you that we can look at the intricate details and the parts of salvation. Lord, we know that it is ultimately a work of you. And though we cut thin slices to try to understand each aspect of salvation, the order salutus, Lord, the order of salvation, Lord, we, we trust that your grace is sufficient, that even in our inability to grasp the grandeur and the, the beauty of salvation, God, we can look at each uh, detail of salvation as you have revealed to us in your living and active word. And so today we pray as we look at justification, will you give us the hope of Christ and the clarity of knowing we've been made right with you? We ask these things in the precious and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, what do you think regeneration means? We always start out with a few definitions. I have three for us. Um, of course, I always start out with Greg Allison's uh, 50 Core Truths of the Christian Faith, which is really uh, where this study was put together from. And he defines 
justification as the mighty act of God by which he declares sinful people not guilty. Um, and uh, instead, by imputing the perfection or perfect righteousness of Christ to them. And so you, you find, you hear the word imputation or imputing the perfect righteousness. And so God instills, he credits to your account uh, that righteousness that comes from Christ alone. Uh, another definition that I got from Ligonier Ministries, um, justification is described in this way. Uh, justification is an act of God by, uh, it, it does not describe the way that God inwardly renews and changes a person. It rather is a legal declaration in which God pardons the sinner of all his sins and accepts and accounts the sinner as righteous in his sight. God declares the sinner righteous at the very moment that the sinner puts his or her faith in Jesus Christ. And then there's a few scriptures that, uh, that will be helpful for you as you search out the topic of justification, Romans 3, 21 to 26, Romans 5, 16, and really 2 Corinthians 5, 21 as well. Um, so, and the last definition is, 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 is described in this manner. Uh, justification means to declare someone righteous, to make uh, them no longer guilty before a perfect God. Therefore, they are made right with God. Justification is God's declaring one right. Um, declaring those, here's the continuation of that, sorry, declaring those who receive Christ to be righteous based on Christ's righteousness being imputed to the account of those who receive Jesus Christ. So there's a few definitions, and I hope those definitions are not confusing, but helpful. And so here are some verses that you could look up in your free time as you walk uh, throughout your week and uh, as you think about the idea or the topic of justification and how that applies to you. And I, I think these these verses will be helpful for you as you study them. So let's talk about some thoughts and ideas about justification. How justification differs from other aspects of salvation <clears throat> that we've looked at up until this point is that justification deals more with a legal process. It's, it's a legal standing before God. You see, when you are born into this world, the Bible says you're born into sin, right? Um, I was sinful at birth, Psalm 51.5 says, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We all come into this world as sinners. Why? Well, because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And Romans 5 says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. You know what all is in the Greek? All. You know what it means in English? All. It means everybody in the sound of my voice are equally sinful, stained, separated, and enmity with God when they come into this world. 
First, Adam sinned. And because of that, all of us became partakers of that sinful nature because we are all sinful. Isaiah 59.2 reminded us that our sins have made a separation between us and God, and we are guilty. We are dead, and the wages of sin, Romans 3.23 says, is death. We all have a death warrant. So understanding justification begins by understanding our deadness, our need for a Savior. That's why the law was given, not because you could fulfill the law. That's ridiculous. Read Romans chapter 3 over and over and over and over and over and over and over until you, you get it and you understand that it's by grace through faith in Christ. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. So the reality is, is we must first understand our absolute necessity for a Savior, for a Redeemer, for a Deliverer, because we are dead, and the wages of sin is death. So listen, regeneration takes place in conversion, and once you are converted, saved by, uh, by God through the work of the Spirit, you are then justified by God, declared not guilty anymore. You are forgiven of your sins, and you are, are deemed innocent. I, I usually uh, would use the illustration that Michael or Jesse, one or the other, shot each other. So let's just, just, just say Jesse shot Michael today. And Michael's dead as a doornail. Jesse is getting life in prison, and he goes before the judge, and the judge is about to slap the hammer down on the table and declare him life in prison. And, uh, and I step into the room and I say, judge, no, I don't want, I don't, I don't want Jesse to go to, to prison for life for shooting Michael. I, I'd rather would take his place, let him free, let him go. And I will, uh, you know, I will take his place. The judge says, well, that's good. And that's, that's interesting, but that's not sufficient. But I see Stuart, you have a son named Elijah. If you were to take your son, Elijah over to that electric chair, hook him up, pull the plug, kill your own son. I'll let Jesse, go free. And so I do that. The son willingly, obediently, sufficiently walks over, hooks himself up to the electric chair, and I, the father, pull the plug, kill my own, my very own son. And the judge says, Jesse, not guilty. You're free to go. That's justification. He is no longer guilty of the crime that he has committed not because he has done anything, not because he's been a good person, not because he's worked hard, not because of anything in his own ability, but it is only by the grace of God giving up his son, Jesus Christ, that he might be set free. And thus he then declares you right, not based off of your deeds. For Titus 3, 4, and 5 says, not the deeds which we've done in righteousness, but rather according to his mercy. And so justification is the aspect by which God declares you right, free, no longer guilty of breaking the law. Nevertheless, um, before that takes place, you are dead in your trespasses and sin. Every single one of us come into the world that way. So in this world, listen, you are innocent, right, until proven guilty. But in the spiritual realm, you are guilty until proven innocent. You must be declared right 
by the righteous judge, God himself. You must be declared not guilty. And grace alone, by faith alone, and Christ alone is the key to your innocence. And so if you're here this morning and you think for one second you can work your way to heaven, if you think for one second you can keep and maintain the law and you can do good deeds, and when you get to heaven, this big white bearded man's going to have a scale and he's going to put your good deeds versus your bad deeds and weighs them, and he's going to say, come on in, your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. That's not how it works. No, you are dead. And you need to be made alive. You need to be born again. You need to be regenerated. Because when you are saved, God declares you righteous. Righteous as his son. He who knew no sin, what? Became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so listen, forgiveness of sins can only be based on Christ's substitutionary death. Christ has indeed taken the punishment for those in Christ so that they are indeed no longer under the condemnation of God because of sin. Rather, they understand by faith in Christ that Jesus has paid it all. He has paid for your sin, past, present, and future, and declares you righteous. So you you have two terms that we need to understand. Um, that are important. The first is the substitutionary death of Christ. We just spoke about that for a second. The second term that we need to understand is imputation, better known as imputed righteousness. And imputed righteousness is the method by which God, through his doing, takes the righteousness of Jesus Christ, whom is perfect. He was the only perfect one. He was the only one who knew no sin, that became sin on our behalf. Uh, He takes the righteousness of Christ and imputes that or credits it to the sinner's account, deeming you, sinner, who has now put their faith in Christ, deeming you as righteous as Christ in the eyes of God. So when God sees you, he doesn't see you. He sees his son. You are covered in the blood of the Lamb. Why? Because there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And Jesus Christ became that sinless, perfect sacrifice that you might have life. God views you who have been redeemed, born again, covered in the blood, as being righteous because the righteousness of Christ has been attributed to Him. His sacrifice covers our sin allowing God to see us as perfect and unblemished. Because as believers, we are in Christ. God sees Christ's own righteousness when he looks at us. And this meets God's demand for perfection. For you can never be perfect, my friend. If you could be perfect, Galatians 2.20 says, then Jesus Christ didn't need to die. You just needed to be a good person. But if righteousness could come from keeping the law, then Christ died needlessly. He declared us righteous. He he justifies us as righteous. And thus, he has declared us not guilty. He justified. There you have the doctrine of justification. This ultimately must take place if you are to get into heaven. If If you are proven guilty by the judge, 
you will go to jail eternally, better known as hell. And uh, we know that God wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So let me ask you a personal question today. Are you, how sure are you that you would go to heaven if you died today? Are you as righteous as Christ? Does God see you as holy and righteous and forgiven? Because unless you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, for John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's only by Jesus Christ. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved. It is a work of the Spirit of God through the will of God to save the soul for God's glory. I love this beautiful explanation of Martin Luther as to the process of justification. Sometimes when someone says it's so good, you simply need to read what they wrote rather than trying to be the king of comment, right? So listen to what Luther said. He said, is it not a beautiful, glorious exchange by which Christ who is wholly innocent and holy, not only takes upon himself another sin, that is, my sin and guilt, but also clothes me and adorns me, who am I nothing but sin, with his own innocence and purity. And then besides dies the shameful death of the cross for the sake of my sins, through which I have deserved death and condemnation and grants to me his righteousness in order that I may live with him eternally in glory and unspeakable joy. Through this blessed exchange in which Christ changes places with us, something the heart can grasp only in faith, and through nothing else, we are freed from sin and death and given his righteousness and life as our very own. Listen, there are two different uh, ideas in relation to righteousness. Martin Luther's just such a, an extraordinary writer. Um, the first idea uh, is what we called alien righteousness, not like the, the green little man coming down out of outer space. Rather, this is a righteousness that comes from another outside of yourself. And this is what Luther calls imputed righteousness from Christ. It is compared to an alien righteousness, meaning you've received the righteousness from someone outside of yourself. And in this case, it's the righteousness of Christ. And then the second idea is actual righteousness. And this is the righteousness which you, as the believer and follower of Jesus Christ, live out as a regenerated, converted, justified believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the proper righteousness of a believer engaging in good works. And it's based on the alien righteousness or the righteousness is coming from Christ, which enables you to live out your righteousness as a believer. Basically, what I'm saying is this. 
I'm saying when you are justified by Christ, you are declared right before God. And therefore, as a born again believer, justified, declared right before God, you must walk in righteousness. You can't claim to be saved if you are not going to walk in his righteousness, meaning as a regenerated, converted, justified believer, you walk, and your walk will be accompanied with good works. Are you accompanied with good works? Does your life reflect that of Christ? Does your actions reflect that work which God has done in you and through you for His glory? I mean, the Bible says, I've been crucified with Christ, and no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The Bible says, I'm a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. The Bible says, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them, Ephesians. 2.10. You are now deemed right before God. That is why we can read in Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because when God sees you, He sees you through the righteousness of His in his imputed righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ, which He gave to you, which He credited to your account. So you have justification and you have condemnation, both legal terms. Before Christ saves you, you are under the condemnation of God. After you are born again or you're regenerated, you are made new, you're converted, you are justified. You are declared right before God, not guilty. So you have come today, this morning, and I don't know who invited you. Maybe you just showed up because of a link. Nevertheless, God doesn't do anything accidentally. You're here for a reason. You have to ask the honest question, where are you? Are you condemned? Are you justified? Listen, if you are justified, you are declared right before God. If you are saved, then you will always be saved, my friend. It isn't this coming in and going out, these, this idea of, well, I knew Bobby, and Bobby had, he was a, he was born again, and now he, lost, he walked away from the, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. You're either a child of God and you're a child of Satan. When you become a child of God, you are born again, and you will never lose that sonship. Now, the reality is, is there many confess Christ, you know, but they don't believe in Christ. They don't. They haven't received Christ, and so they make a prop a profession of faith, but their action, their deeds, speak louder than their words. When you are justified, when you are declared right before God, you are saved, and you will always be saved, because eternal security of the believer is very important. Every element of salvation throughout this is a work of God. God doesn't make mistakes. I mean, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundations of the world. You're not going to walk away from the faith. You're either of it or you're not. You're either born alive or you're dead. You're either lost or you are found. You're either blonde or you're see. You're either deaf or you can hear. 
The reality is, is you are either of God or of Satan. You're either a child of Satan or a child of God. There is no in-between. There is no in and out. There is either a child of God or a child of Satan. And you have to know where you are so that you can respond properly. I love what Romans 8, 31 to 39 say. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring charges against God's elect? God is the one who justifies not your deeds, not your work. God is the one who justifies. Who is he? Who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is he who died, but rather was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of God, love of Christ. Will tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger, sword, just as it's written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We were regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced, my friends, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Don't buy the lie that the culture wants you to believe. Nothing, my friend, for those we're declared right before God because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. doesn't give you the right or me the right to live in habitual sin. That is not the lifestyle of a true born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He who began a good work, listen, will see it to completion. We need to make sure that we are justified, we are declared right before God by faith in Jesus Christ. Have you done that today? Listen, you can do that today. You can receive Christ today by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the reality is we must personally receive Jesus Christ as Lord, and when we do, we can have our sins forgiven, and we can have a personal relationship with, with Christ. And we can be declared right. He says in John 1 12, but as many as received him, to him we gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. We receive Christ through faith, my friend. For it is by grace through faith, and this not of yourselves, is a free gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. We must respond to God's remedy for salvation. Your works, your deeds, your efforts, your 
traditions, none of those things will ever save your soul. It's only by faith in Christ. It's not enough to have some kind of intellectual understanding that God's Son died in your place and that your sins might be forgiven, nor is it enough to have the goosebumps or the emotional I cried uh, experiences. Listen, salvation involves the will of turning away from sin. We call that repentance, changing your mind. Listen, you must trust in Christ alone, in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the gospel. And for those who place their faith in anything else, in anyone else other than Jesus Christ, listen, will find themselves painfully, eternally separated in a place called hell. Jesus has given you everything pertaining to life and to godliness. So you have to ask yourselves the question, are you condemned or are you justified? You can receive Christ right now by simply calling on him. Faith is simply taking God at his word by believing what he has promised. And listen, because the Father sent the Son to die on your behalf, through his death, burial, and resurrection, he, God, can promise you in Romans 10, 13, that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And when you put your faith, when you call on the Lord and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, you confess your sins to God and you ask him, save me because I know I can't do it on my own. I would never be good enough, God, to make it to heaven because Jesus Christ is the only one who can pay my debt. Jesus Christ is the only one who can impute to me the righteousness I must have in order to stand before God holy and righteous and perfect, not because I am anything special, Lord, but because your Son has credited to me his righteousness. And so when you see me, you see the Son covered in the blood of the Lamb, would you put your faith in Christ today? Call on him today. Ask him to forgive you and believe the gospel and be saved. Listen, God promises eternal life to those who will receive Christ. What are you waiting on? Today is the day of salvation. He has given you breath in your lungs. Death is alive and well, and death doesn't hold back. It doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care what color you are. It doesn't care your social standing, whether you're rich, whether you're poor. It doesn't matter. Death is not a respecter of persons, and death is on the rise. And you today have been given the blessed life. So respond in faith. Put your faith in Jesus Christ so that you can know you are saved, that you can have no doubt of your salvation, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Listen, because he has certainly paid our debt, the Bible informs us we don't have to wonder about our salvation anymore, but that we can know that we are eternally saved from the sin's penalty because Jesus Christ through the death, through the burial, and the resurrection, that God sent his Son to become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So are you justified? You declared right. And if you're not, I pray you would be. 
be saved today. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word, and we pray that you will be honored and blessed, and that those who have never put their faith in Christ would do that today for your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast, and be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.